Hello and welcome to Dinner Time Discipleship. I am Christine, I am the mom, and I have here with me my handsome husband. Hello. You're not answering the phone. <laughs> what do you want me to say? Tell us how handsome you are. I don't know. Uh, medium. <laughs> I also have my girls here with me. I have... Eva. Eva, she's beautiful. And I have my other beautiful girl. Hi, Leela. Leela. And um, we're missing Noah tonight. He's getting caught up on some homework. Um, but it's been a while since we recorded, and so we decided we're just going to record with who we have tonight. And we are doing our final episode in the James series. We're doing James chapter 5 tonight. Yay! I am so excited we get to wrap up this book. Um, and I think we have a lot of really good stuff that we want to talk about tonight. Mm -hmm. um, so we've already read James chapter 5 together, and yes, we took some notes. And we're just going to go over a few things. Um, we were sitting and, and eating a little while ago and talking about this. And um, we thought, you know, this would be a good idea to just start recording what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So, Leela, what was it that you said that really stuck out to you from James chapter 5? Why don't you? You want me to read your notes? Sure. I think what you had said before, yes, was all you need is a simple yes or no. Yes. And also, you know, why don't you read the entire list? Well, let's just do one thing at a time. So first, let's talk about the yes or no. Why do you think James is saying that we shouldn't make promises and to just let your yes be yes and your no be no? Because we don't know for sure what God's going to make happen in the future. Okay. So like I was saying earlier, I said, you can't promise that the sun's going to come up tomorrow. Yeah. There's a very good chance it will, but that's not my promise to make. I'm going to watch the sunset to see if it actually does come up. Well, just because the sun sets doesn't mean it's going to rise. <laughs> I know. It's a big shocker. Um, once actually in an episode of Spongebob, he was like, and the sun must set at the end of every day. But what if it doesn't? That sounds like a very Spongebob-y thing to say. Okay, so we talked about, you know, what about when, um, like Dad and I, when we got married, we made a promise to each other. How is that? not breaking this rule. I don't think we made promises. We just said what we would and wouldn't do. We affirmed? Yeah, we affirmed. But, I mean, it's like something that you know can, like, you know that you will keep doing this. Because it's not like a thing that, I don't know for sure, but it's not like one of those things that, that like, God must control, like, the sunset. Doesn't it say somewhere in the Bible that um, wedding vows are okay? Well, it doesn't say that wedding vows are an exception to this rule, but it does give examples of there being weddings or other agreements between people. Um, God himself, he makes covenants. He makes agreements between people. And I would, agree, I would argue that a marriage is a covenant and not a promise. It's just a you know, I'm giving you my word that to the best of my ability, I'm going to, to do what I say I'm going to do. Yes. And we have to do that with the understanding that we are humans. We are people. We are fallible. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to screw up. Yes. Yes. I am, <laughs> excuse me, I am not absolutely perfect at keeping my marriage vows to Neeraj. I don't always act in a loving way toward him. I don't always act in a way that's honoring to him. But we make amends. I apologize. We make it right. We go back and try again. Yes. But how is God different? 
When God makes a covenant, how is he different? Because he doesn't make the mistakes in the first place. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Very good. He is always perfect at keeping his promises. So can y'all think of any promises that God has made? Noah's Ark. Explain what, what that has to do with the promise. That he would never flood the earth again. He would, well, it didn't say he wouldn't flood the earth. It said he wouldn't destroy the earth with a flood again. And his sign is a rainbow. Exactly. Because he's pretty. So has God destroyed the whole earth again with a flood? Mm-mm. No. But he's just maybe, I don't know if destroyed, but he's definitely flooded the street before. <laughs> yes, our street is flooded before. There was a dead fish on the driveway. <laughs> I remember that, the flood. Yes. Okay, so God is perfect at keeping his covenants. We are not perfect. So when somebody makes a covenant with you, for example, you girls are a little bit young for this, but when you get married, you know, your, your husbands are going to make a covenant with you and you're going to make one with them. Now, you cannot expect that your husbands are going to be perfect at keeping that covenant and you aren't going to be either. Does that mean... For example, if dad acts in a way that is not loving to me, does that mean like, okay, all right, we're getting divorced? Nope. Why not? Well, just, um, like, that's just a small thing. Just like, oh, I made a small mistake. I'm not perfect. I'm sorry. But, I mean, like, if you just, like, I don't know, like, chip a box or something, then... Like, it's not okay to just go, okay, divorce, you chipped my box. Okay, so you're saying it has to be a big deal. Well, it doesn't have to be, but usually it would, it just should be a big deal. I think that um, it's not fair to, like, completely get rid of someone just because they made a small mistake. Mm -hmm. You can Mm -hmm. expect them to be perfect. So if they keep repeatedly doing it, then I think you should talk to them about it. And if they still don't stop, then divorce. So um, I know we're kind of getting off topic a little bit, but um, it said, Jesus says that you should only divorce in the instance of infidelity. What does that mean? Infidelity means unfaithfulness, which what, what is implied there in the in the original language that Jesus was using is, um, that like dad would go find another woman and he would act like he's married to her, do married people things with her instead of with me. Or if I did that with some other, somebody else. But we have our weird thing. Yes, you do. But that's not the point. Okay. <laughs> what if dad went and did his, like dad and I, there's context missing here that, maybe our listeners don't know about, but dad and Leela have these little weird things that they do that are very affectionate. They curl their fingers at each other in like a little like baby hello. And they like make these puffy, puppy sniffing sounds in their, each other's ears. And okay, anyway, so, so Leela, what you're saying is that if you were married to somebody and you had that weird stuff with them and then they did that weird stuff with somebody else, like what if I went and go put a puppy in somebody else's ear? Oh, oh I know. <laughs> it's not even your weird thing. I know. I'm just saying we're getting way off topic. So Jesus says that in instances where you do married people things with someone else, that is infidelity. That is a case for divorce. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to, even then you don't have to get divorced. But just because like maybe dad left his socks on the floor again and again and again, and it makes me really, really mad. 
Does that mean I should divorce him? No. No, because you were saying earlier, Lila, like, well, if it's a small thing, then, you know, you should forgive them. But what if it's the small thing again and again and again and again? Well, that's still a small thing because, I mean, like, it's just socks, not like you break the entire house. Why like, don't you? It's just a sock instead of the entire house. Like, why don't you talk to them and ask them to stop? Yes. Yeah, you could. But what if it still happens? Is that still a reason to get divorced? Um... No, because it has to be probably or usually will be more serious. Like, instead of just like, oh, you left your socks on the floor like a billion times. Divorce. And like, it's just socks. But I mean, like, if you break the, like, all the houses on the street, then I don't know, something cruel like that, then. That's not cool. Cruel. cruel. Not cool. Cruel with an R. Um, yeah, okay. So to go back to this this promises thing, you know, when we get married, we're not like dad dad is saying that we're not making a promise, we are making a covenant with each other. Um, and that covenant, according to the Bible, can only be bro- be broken in instances of infidelity. We talked about what that means. Yes. Now, dad can do things that really, really, really irritate me, but the Bible does not say that that's okay for, um, to get a divorce over that. Yeah, but also, um, like, back to the sock thing, um, it doesn't make me, like, really, really, really angry, but I'm just like, ugh. Right. Um, Like, sometimes when you leave Noah's socks in my laundry. Yeah, I don't do it on purpose, but... You know, maybe the conversation needs to not be, hey, can you pick up your socks? Hey, can you pick up your socks? Hey, can you pick up your socks? It can, maybe the conversation needs to change and say like, hey, I think that it's very disrespectful to me when you do this and I've asked you not to, you know, can we find some other way to solve this problem? Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's move on to the next point. Um, One of the things that it talked about, um, and this was toward the end of the chapter, I'm trying to find the exact spot. Um... But it says to confess your sins to one another. Do you know what it means to confess your sins to one another, girls? Mm-hmm. What does that mean, Mila? Like, say something that you did wrong. So, do I have to tell everyone about every bad thing I do? No. That doesn't make sense. What do you think it means, Nearish, when you say confess your sins? Like, where do you find that balance? Of confessing everything and just um that's a good question I think if it's a sin you're struggling with uh, repeatedly then that's something you should confess so that people can hold you accountable and like maybe help you let's say mm-hmm. okay but, so- but things that are not like that, things that don't fit that description, you can maybe reserve those for God. I mean, the, the verse doesn't specify. It doesn't explain. So let me so, read the context. This is We're in James 5, of course, and this is um, verse 15. It says, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And then this is where I think it becomes relevant. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, and this is verse 16, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. 
So I think this is in the context of the sins that you, you have this sin that, um, is tripping you up. Like you said, dad, over and over and over again. Um, and you're saying to confess it so that you can be healed. I think it's so interesting that they use the word healed there in the context of sin, because when I think of healing, my immediate thought is something's sick or like, you know, like I have this scratch on my arm. Um, That's healing. But when we're talking about healing, what is, why do you think that James chose to use the word heal in the context of sin, as opposed to like, you know, a scratch or something that you have? I mean, like, I think he's talking about like healing your sin, like forgiving it. Do you have any thoughts on that, Eva? It's like your sins are being healed, like forgiven. Let her say. I know you already said that she. You said that forgiven, but I want her to finish her thought. Like sin is like a sickness, and when when Jesus died for us, um, he was like washing us in medicine. Yeah, that's really good, Eva. You're right. It's sin is like a sickness, and it's a sickness of the soul, and it it is like Jesus's blood sort of like washes over us and makes us clean, which is why communion is such an important symbolic thing. It is washing our soul clean. Um, now it's already been done once, and that's enough. But taking communion periodically is a good reminder of that 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 we have been washed clean of our sins. Um, but why do you think the confession part is so important? Well, because, like, if you do something horribly wrong and you just keep it a secret forever, then that's not really a good idea. Because, like, if you do something horribly wrong and then you, like, make a secret about it, then that's not really a good thing to do. It's not going to heal, is it? It's not going to heal. Secret sin will always come back and bite you later. Yes. Like a mosquito. (laughs) Go ahead, Eva. What were you going to say? It fell out of your head. We were talking about sin and why it's important to confess. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. So I think it's like... I forgot. (laughs) Wait, wait. Um. I was asking why, why is it that we should confess it to somebody else? Like, why should we not keep it all to ourselves? Because, um, oh, I forgot. It's okay. We'll come back. Can I say that? Yeah, go ahead. Well, because also, like, maybe someone could actually help you with that. Yeah. Like, if you don't know what to do, then you can't help yourself with that. But if you tell someone else, then they might know what to do. Yes. Well, and that's a really good point, Leela, because the second part of verse 16, well, the second part of the first sentence of verse 16 says, you confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You pray for each other. So if somebody comes to you confessing sin, what is your job? To help them get healed. By praying. By praying for them. Because that's, 
That's really interesting. One of the tricks that Satan does is that he tries to isolate us. That means make you feel like you're alone. And so if you have a sin and you're keeping it all to yourself, you're kind of alone, right? Mm-hmm. And at least the sin is alone. you're fighting a battle against Satan. And you can't always win that battle all by yourself. But you know what Jesus said? When two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there. So if it's you and somebody else and you confess your sins to that person and they're kind of like fighting a battle alongside you and you're not fighting alone anymore, you got Jesus with you too and your friend. That's You're going to win. Yeah. When you confess your sin, you will win that battle. It may not be right away, but you will win that battle. Can you ever win it if you were fighting all by yourself and Satan's telling you you're alone, you're too weak to do this, you're powerless, it's too embarrassing? Mm -mm. Why do you think... Did you have something to say? Okay. Why do you think that we don't do so good at that? Why do you think it is in general that people are not good at confessing their sins to each other? Because Because they they don't want other people to think bad about them. Mm -hmm. Okay. What were you going to say, Leila? Same thing? Oh, because, like, what if someone's, like, like, what if it has to do with you being in a lot of trouble? Like, what if you did something really, really bad? Uh-huh. Like, kind of in that um, Harry Potter book, the, like, when he was going to tell Dumbledore when um, he was hearing the voice, but um, he actually didn't because then you'd have to explain him going out into the castle at night when he's not supposed to. Yes, that's a really good one. Do you, do you know what she's talking about, Leela? In the Harry Potter I'm book? Leela. I'm sorry, Eva. So in that Harry Potter book, um, Harry's, he sneaks out of his room at night and Harry is able to talk to and understand snakes. And so he doesn't, Dumbledore's like, do you have anything to tell him? And he says no. And he doesn't, he says no because he doesn't want Dumbledore to know that he's wandering around the castle at night and but he'll get in trouble because he'd get in trouble but it's also the snake idea. is a bad guy he's like the villain in the book and mm-hmm. so yeah that's a good example tumble dork dad's not into harry potter that's okay that's my contribution for this podcast the dumbledore's a dork yeah. Bumbledore. Dumbledore. okay um Neeraj, can you talk a little bit about confession of sins, why you think it is that people don't make it a common practice to confess to one another? Because people don't want everybody knowing their business. Why not? Because it's embarrassing. It's, it's embarrassing. So why do you think, though, that, that that's such a huge barrier, embarrassment? It's human nature. I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. I couldn't tell you any more than that. Because we struggle to fit in as it is, and I think people just, like, don't want to lose their social status. Ooh, yeah, they don't want to lose their social status. There could be a lot to lose, like like the example Leela just gave. Um, Harry Potter could get in big trouble, and he already got in huge trouble already, so mm-hmm. he doesn't want to get in trouble again. Um It could be that maybe you're afraid that person's going to lose respect for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you could lose your job. You could, you could, all kinds of horrible things could happen. You could lose your friend. You could, yeah. You could lose your life. So why then, if, if those are the things at risk, then why should we confess? Why, why would anybody confess when those things are at risk? So we can win the battle. 
so you can win the battle and mm-hmm. be healed. Exactly. Um, you know, there's been times when I've had to confess things to people and it's really, really, really uncomfortable and I don't like it. But it, it made me a better person. It made my relationship with that person better. And you also healed yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Did you have something you wanted to say? Do you, you have a personal experience, but I don't know if you wanted to share it with the confessing. You don't remember? You're looking confused. When was this? P.E. Oh. No? And you can. That's a great experience. Do you want to share? Can you share? Sure. So last year, Eva was learning from home. Um, They're doing remote learning. And, um, you know, for every class, the teacher would post assignments in um, on the computer for the kids to do. Eva's so embarrassed right now, but I'm so <laughs> glad that you're being brave and sharing this because hopefully somebody will learn from it. But anyway, last year she, um, she had these classes that she had to do online. And one of those classes was PE and the teacher would post on there, you know, go do this activity, go do that activity. Um, and Eva was going into the computer and, and writing down that she had done these things when she actually hadn't. And I found out about it and me and Eva and dad had some conversations about it. And making it sound really bad. It's really not because, um, we, we had some conversations about it. You remember about integrity and what it means to, to be truthful and, you know, our, what were you actually gaining by doing that? Right. And, and yeah, you might've gotten a little bit more time to do other stuff, but your health was, is suffering if you don't like actually do the physical activity that your PE teacher wanted you to do. Right. I went on bike rides every day. After we had the conversation you did, but do you remember what you did to make it right? I emailed the teacher. And what did you tell her? Um, that I wasn't doing anything. And she said uh, to make sure I was doing them from now on. Do you remember what her comment was, too? That she was proud of me. Yeah, she appreciated you being honest and she was proud of you. Because I bet you there was very few people that that were online students that were actually doing the PE work. And you were honest about it. You showed integrity. And I think that that shows... You grew a lot because you, you, you learned to, to number one, be honest because you understood how painful the consequence is when you get busted for not being honest. And you understood that, you know, integrity is important. And after that, you started doing your PE activities. You went on those bike rides every day as your work. So you gained a lot from doing it. If you had not confessed, what do you think? Would you have been a better person because of it? Or what, what would you have learned if you did not confess? I know I would feel guilty about it. You'd feel guilty? Do you think that you would have learned that you could do it again in the future and probably get away with it again? Well, there's no more online. Well, maybe not that specifically, but you would be learning that um, if nobody's looking, then it's okay to not do the right thing. Nobody's checking in on you, then it's okay. Do you think that that was a lesson you might have learned? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have a look on your face like, maybe. Yeah. I have to say, I, I think that I've seen a lot more integrity out of you since then. Because I think that you understand the consequence of not showing integrity. 
Okay, Leela, do you have something to add? Yeah. So every time there's something bad happening, I try to think of at least one good thing about it. Explain what you mean. Like if, uh, for example, Tex uh, broke his leg. I try to think of one good thing about that. Like maybe... The doctors clip his nails. Yeah. Tex is our pet rabbit. Okay. So I think your point is, is Leela, that um, even though something bad might happen, a good thing will come of it. In the same way that when we confess, yeah, something bad will probably happen. You may get a bad consequence. The thing that you're afraid of might happen. Um, but there's always at least one good thing about it. Something good will happen. Like we were saying before, um, you know, you're, you're fighting a battle and... Yes. Um, you cannot win that battle when you're fighting all by yourself. That's one of the tricks that Satan plays on us is that um, he tries to get us alone because it's a lot easier to defeat somebody when they're alone. And so he, he tries to get us to isolate ourselves and be alone so that um, we get trapped in this sin and we don't have anybody to confess it to and we're scared to confess it. But then when we do, Satan automatically loses all of his power. Um so we do need to confess our sins to one another. It is not easy and it needs to be, um, you know, it needs to be done frequently. Um, and I think it's kind of strange because the Catholic church, um, their, their doctrine, I guess you want to call it is, or their belief is that you, um, confess your sins to a priest. Um, in, in, in a Protestant faith, like we have, we confess our sins to one another and we confess it to God. Yes, Lila. Can we just like have a little chat about the other ones? Because this is already... Yeah, let's, 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 let's see what else you've got on your list here. Um, you talked about... Um, we already just talked about the yes or no. I had to go text. Yeah, we talked about um, your sins will be forgiven. We talked about the yes be yes and the no be no. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, at the very beginning, it talks about wealthy people. It says, um, you know, you should weep and wail because of the misery that's coming. Your wealth is rotted and moss have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver, silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You've hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your field are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. So those are pretty strong words. What do you think the point is, Leela, in what James is saying here? What do you mean by... Like, what is... what? Does he hate rich people? No. So what is he trying to say here? Like... Bad things are coming. Why? Why are bad things coming to wealthy people? I don't know yet. What do you think, Eva? Um, I, I don't know, but how come in the Bible it always sounds like God hates rich people? Well, that's really interesting because when I read this, I don't, I'm not seeing that God hates rich people. What I think he's hating is that people love their wealth. Mm -hmm. And I think that he means like they're loving it too much more than him. Yeah. So he's saying your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. That means like 
you know, the, the stuff that you have that you're so in love with, it's, it's all going to die in a thousand years. It's just going to be dust. Who cares? Those fancy clothes you have, who cares? Nobody is going to care in a thousand years or a hundred years, even what clothes you wear mm -hmm. or how much money you have. Nobody's going to care. Um, unless you have a pink fuzzy scarf like a rich people. No, even then, nobody's going to care. Eva, what if some random person a hundred years ago had a big fuzzy scarf? Do you care? Do you no. care where it is? Do you care that that person had it? No, it is doesn't. Anybody happen. care? No. Now, it's saying that the gold and silver have corroded. Do you know what corroded means? Like, cut, like broken down. Yeah, sort of like um, iron corrodes into rust. Like it, it just rusts. Yeah, it, it. well, gold and silver don't rust. but Chemical reaction. Yeah, it, it basically it breaks down. Oh, like corrosive. Like a corrosive, yeah. Like clocks, right? Yes. Wait, doesn't, like, do you know how the Statue of Liberty was made out of copper, but mm -hmm. it's green? Yes. Tarnished. It corroded, yes. It's it's yeah. like that. But it's saying that even the coins that you have, the money that you have that's worth so much, even that corrodes. It breaks down. It's actually worthless. It's just stuff. And when you go to heaven, do you get to take a big bucket of money with you? Um, do do like you know people um they they ask to be buried with their money, is that why they think that they can bring it to heaven? Either that or they don't want anybody else to have it. But yeah, a lot like the ancient Egyptians. You remember? Um, I think we went to a, a a museum exhibit where we saw this, and they they put all this wealth. Maybe it was just me and Dad, but we they put all their wealth in the tombs with with the the Egyptian pharaoh or whomever it was. I saw a dead person there. Where? I don't. There was like a mummy thing wrapped in a glass case. Oh, <laughs> you make it sound like. <laughs> I see dead people. At the museum, there was a mummy. She, she was saying, I saw a dead person. It was a mummy at a museum. What museum? You and I went, and then like um, I got scared, and we had to <laughs> Okay, but that person had a ton of wealth buried with them. You know what? It's still here on Earth. It didn't go to heaven uh -huh. or wherever they went. It didn't go with them. Um, and he's saying, you hoarded your wealth. You have this big pile. Now... There's a difference between hoarding wealth and having it and giving it away freely. Yes. Um, so he's saying, uh, like, if you're being greedy, then you will be um, dot. What, what was your wealth will die? Yes. Fade away. Yes. So he's talking about um, how, you know, these things rot. Um, it says that you hoarding your wealth. That means that you're, you're, you're taking more than you need. So there's a difference between having wealth that you need and hoarding. So hoarding is, I think of a squirrel, like collecting nuts. It's collecting a ton of nuts. And hoarding, if a squirrel was hoarding the nuts, it would take way more than it needs and, and put it all in its plate. These are all mine and I'm not going to share collecting the amount of nuts that it's going to most appropriately need for the winter is not hoarding. That's just collecting what you need. Mm -hmm. And so, um, if I said, you know, I'm going to collect all the money that I can, and I'm going to have $6 trillion, that is more than I need, isn't mm -hmm. it? That's more than I could possibly spend in my lifetime or your lifetimes. 
And while I have all this money, there's people around me that are suffering, starving to death. Like the rich man who walked past the poor man. Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. That's what he's saying here. He says, um, their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You've hoarded wealth in the last days. So the wages you failed to pay, the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. So you've got this huge pile of money and you're refusing to pay somebody who comes to mow your lawn. And they're starving to death. And God is saying, I hear that guy, that guy that was mowing your lawn that you refused to pay and that you love your, your money so much you're not going to pay him. I see what's going on. I didn't have Wouldn't you have to go to like court? You, well, you could, but what if you're paying the judge too? You're giving the judge just a little bit of money to just ignore it. Bribing him? Yeah. If you really love your money, you might spend a little bit to have to keep from space, having to spend a ton. To get a different judge? Call the police on the judge. Pay the police a little bit. You are the police. Don't you ever watch movies? I am the police. Call the police. Wait, I am the police. <laughs> so he's 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 he James is calling out these people who hoard their wealth and love their wealth. Now, if if I have a guy coming and mowing my lawn and I'm refusing to pay him. And he's starving to death, but I've got this great pile of money. What is it that I'm showing the world that I really and truly love? Money. Like Elder Lockhart loves himself. Yes. Why wouldn't um, Why wouldn't the lawnmower just get a new job? Well, he could, but what if he? I was like, I'll pay you next time. I'll pay you next time. I'll pay you next time. Plus, why should he? He already did the job. Why should he not get paid for the work he did? Well, he's obviously not going to get paid, and like everything's against him, so just. No, that's not right. That's not right. Well, then what do you do? Every every like the the court and the police and the. the well, that's the point of the verse. God is going to repay. What if he is the police? So what what Dad was just saying, now, Eva, is that God is the ultimate justice giver. And so even though the court might get not give you justice, even though the police might not give you justice, God will give you justice. Because so, remember we said about promises, God keeps his promises and he is a God of justice. So he's going to make money rain on your head out of the sky? He's going to make sure that you pay for what you did. Only pay for what you need. Okay. So um, he says that you, you've lived your life on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. So he's, he's speaking out here against people who love luxury. Not just love being wealthy, but love luxury. I love to have the softest pillows. I love to eat at the nicest restaurants and drive the fanciest cars and take the most crazy vacations. When you love luxury like that, what are you not loving? Jesus. You're not loving God. If, if the centermost thing in your heart is luxury, why are you two pointing at each other? <laughs> <laughs> when you love luxury, there's no room in your heart left for anything else. And luxury is a love for yourself. I love my own comfort. I love how special I feel when I'm being given luxurious things or, or being treated in a luxurious way or whatever, have luxurious things. You're saying, I love how fancy I feel. What? Why do you have that look on your face? Um, I have all the snow headaches. 
Snow headache? Oh, ice pick headaches? <laughs> okay, we'll wrap up. Okay. Okay. Bye. Um, Bye. Bye, Eva. Okay, so we learned about how um, we need to keep our yeses as yeses and our noes as noes. We talked about how we need to confess our sins to one another, and we, needed to, we talked about how um, we should not be loving wealth more than we love God. We should be paying people fairly for what they do for us. We need to um, not love ourselves so much that we forget to love other people. We need to not love what we have so much that we're forgetting to love other people. Is there anything else that you guys picked up in James that you wanted to talk about or anything that you want to share that, that you learned about? Mm, yes. Mm, not me. What, Leila? Um, number one, I give the lawnmower guy like half of my money. You would? Mm-hmm. You're a very generous girl. I could see you doing something like that. I'm sure you'd love to come mow your lawn. And then I'd spend the rest eating or making popcorn and <laughs> on dirt and seeds and shovels. But, um, so maybe you could like write these on a little list on the fridge for the podcast ideas. Um, but why don't we just like just read them now, but not actually like talk about them. Is there something you wanted to talk about next time? Well, I'd like to talk about all of these next time we do the podcasts. Okay. All right. Like, well, then we'll, we'll the next podcasts. We'll go ahead but, and put that on the list. Yeah, but maybe we could just like read it before we wrap up. Okay, go ahead. Why don't no, you stop throwing this I, at me? You read, you read it. it. Okay, Dad. Do you have anything you want to add? Anything that stuck out to you tonight? Anything that? No, I think you covered it all. Anything that you learned or think things that you want to take with you? I think we covered everything. I think we did. Okay. All right. So um, we have wrapped up James. I think that our next podcast will be on just a standalone something. Um, we will go over the Leela's list of things to talk about and see if we can add something there. Right now? Um, no, next time. I thank you guys so much for joining us. I hope that you'll join us next time for next Dinner Time Discipleship. Bye, Bye. everybody. Bye.